Hello, everyone. Welcome to an extra special episode of Private Parts. Now, I am so excited to be launching a new series of bonus episodes, which we have launched. You know about them. They're amazing, which will feature a range of voices from the LGBTQ plus community to share and celebrate love in all of its forms. Now, as part of this podcast series, we also want to shine a light on the incredible charity we're working with called the Albert Kennedy Trust, A. AKT. Now, AKT is a national LGBTQ plus charity that provides support and housing for those experiencing homelessness, abuse or rejection. So if you have time, please, please, please go and check them out as they're doing such amazing vital work. And any support you're able to give would be amazing. These bonus episodes are produced in collaboration with the Gourmet Vegan Sweet Brand. Yes, Candy Kittens, my baby. And the ever popular Love Sweet Range, which is available now. Now, today we have Megan Barton Hansen. Uh, Megan is from Love Island. She is very open about her experience as a stripper, work she does on OnlyFans. Um, She came out as bisexual, having left the villa. And we have an amazing chat today about so many different things. She finally opens up and she's vulnerable. Okay, enjoy the episode with Megan. Uh, Megan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I feel like a bit of a stalker because I've been trying to get you on the podcast for so long. You have. And I keep waiting until I've got like this big business idea that I want to promote, but nothing's happened yet. Just me and my OnlyFans, really. Yeah, I think that's (laughs) what happens in life. They're always like, hey, something's around the corner and we're waiting for that thing. But actually, weirdly with life, I feel like things just always happen. Yeah, and it felt right now to do it. Mm-hmm. I've also been a fan of the recent months I've started watching all your podcasts. I'm such a big fan. So you I was like, like now it? I love it. Yeah. I'm like, I want to go on them myself. <laughs> Get out of here. You serious? Yeah, I love it. Jeez, you make me blush. <laughs> <laughs> um, Megan, I always like to start these ones like asking, how are you? How's life? How is everything? Yeah, I'm good. I've been busy doing my OnlyFans just come back from Marbella. I think you was out there at the same time. Just yeah, got yeah. married. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah, we were in... Spain's amazing. It looked so lovely, you were in. Unreal. It was freaking... It was Because also, I was one of these people who never really thought that I would ever get married. Mm, really? Yeah, I, I divorced parents, yada yada, all that kind of stuff. And so I kind of thought, I don't know if that's a thing for me. Then I met Soph and she's just such a legend. I guess when you know, you know. Yeah. It's really weird. It's so cliche, but is it actually like that? Like you knew from the moment you met her, like I, she's the one. I like I don't want to say it, but I think so. Yeah, I, I remember my grandma. I think I've told this story before. I say again, my grandma told me the story where she, when she met my grandfather, mm. and they passed away now. But she said she used to, she was dating my grandfather's flatmate, and she's come to the flat, and he, my grandfather, would sit in the corner reading the newspaper, and she loved his hands. She liked the like what his hands looked like. Anyway, one night, my grandfather's flatmate said to my grandfather, James, can you take Ruth, my grandmother, home? And so uh, he took her home and they chatted in the car on the way back. They had this amazing time. Mm. He got out the car at her apartment. He went round to the side, opened the door and said, Ruth, you're home now. And she said, I don't want to get out the car. I'm enjoying the conversation too much. And he said, Ruth, you've got to get out the car because you're home. Please get out of the car. She said, I'm not moving. He said, if you get out the car, I'll marry you. And she said, you'll regret that in the morning. And they, he lent out his hand. She got it. He said, she said it was like an electric shock. Oh, my God. The next day, he phoned up my grandmother and said, I don't regret it. And they got married. 
That is And they were together thing. forever. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Okay, you've given me hope because my dating life is tragic. I've been is on it? so many dates. It's just horrendous. I'm like, I'm 29 now. I'm like, it's not going to get any better. But okay, you and your grandma have given me hope. <laughs> what, why? What type of guys are you going for the moment? Good guys? What, what type of guy? I don't have a, I don't have a type really. They've just got to be driven. It doesn't matter what your passion is. Like your passion could be anything like collecting stamps. As long as you're passionate about something, Mm. that's attractive to me. Don't take yourself too seriously. I don't know. I just think it's hard. And especially because I think a lot of people, you must have had this yourself. People see you on TV or see you on podcasts and they have a preconceived idea of what you're going to be. And if you don't live up to that, it's like, oh, and then you don't know people's intentions. Do they want to date you just to put it in their group chat? Like, oh, I've hung out with this girl. I've been on a date and a guy's slyly taken a picture of me at dinner. Like, what's happening i just got up and walked out <laughs> are you joking that is crazy i literally didn't even know what to say i just got up didn't even say anything and just walked out and he was like have i done something to offend you i was like yeah maybe the sly picture that you took of me are you sure he took a photo a thousand percent he's like oh i'm so after he was like oh i'm sorry it was just for the group chat it was just for the boys so i was like what the hell are you talking about but imagine what that does like people think that i have like such I don't know that I'm not sensitive, but I am. And obviously I'm like, did you invite me there just for the group chat and for like the banter or because you actually like me as a person? Like it's hard, but I feel like I just need to like stop trying to look. Yeah. Is that yeah. what happened with you? How you met Sophie? I don't, I don't know. Did I stop trying? No, I mean, I don't think I did. <laughs> I was really searching for it. You're probably the same. Like we, we are sensitive and we probably want to give a lot of love. Yeah. And, and so that's sometimes quite hard when you want to give a lot of love, you kind of want that back. And when you're not received, it's kind of upsetting, but we're also probably not easiest of characters as well. You know, we are comp- like we all are. We're complicated in our own ways, right? And I'm so high maintenance. Are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm late for everything. It's my way or no way. Like I am quite high maintenance, but at least I own it. <laughs> yeah, that makes it better. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm telling myself. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but when you came, you you came out of the Love Island villa, and I mean, this the amazing thing about the series that we're doing is that we're talking about love in all forms, mm-hmm. and we've spoken to loads of different people. Um, from the LGBTQ plus community who have these amazing stories. And you, when you came out of love and you, you said that you were bisexual. Yeah. So does that mean, do you prefer dating men or women? Or do you kind of not have a preference? It doesn't matter to me. I think if you just have that vibe, or like you said about your grandma and the electricity she had with her then husband, your granddad, you just have that vibe with someone. It doesn't matter their sex or whatever. Like to me, that's irrelevant. And I think when I was younger, it was so easy to be like, oh, well, he's good looking, he's got a six pack, he's like popular, that's attractive. But I think as you get older, it's so much deeper than that. It's not just looks for me. It's like if you can vibe with that person, if you can be yourself around that person. So to me, it's not about the sex. And I think that's another thing. On Love Island, I was like cast as like the man eater and a very sexual Mm. person. So I was petrified to then come out and add fuel to the fire and be like, also, by the way, I like girls because people just see that in such a sexual way. But it's deeper than that. It's like, for me, if you have that bond with someone and that connection, that spark, it doesn't matter if they're male or female. Like sex is like 20% of a relationship. It's like how you can chill with that person and vibe with that person, you know? Do you think that you've always been sexualized by people growing up? Do you think people have always looked at you and said, oh, you know, they find you attractive. They've always thought about sex when it came to dating you or whatever it was. I think so. But I feel like... 
women in general have always been sexualized, whether it's in a music video or a perfume advert or that women have always been sexualized. So for me, not being that academic and coming from like a very working class background, I was like, right, so I'm not academic. I tried to work in a law firm. It was hell. Nine to five life was not for me. So I was like, what's the best I can do with like the skills that I've been given? So I, I started working in a strip club. And I think so then I've kind of walked into that. I can't then be like, mm, begrudgingly be like, oh, people are sexualizing me because I've chosen that as a career path. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But I just feel like women, regardless, whether they wear no makeup, they wear makeup, whether they wear a long skirt, short skirt, women are going to be sexualized anyway. So mm. I just made the best of the society that we're living in and profited from that. Uh, yeah, listen, I, I admire your openness as well, because I think a lot of people sometimes don't talk about these things because they're nervous or scared to be judged or whatever it is. And the fact that you're open with you, like, hey, I did this, I kind of think that's a great thing to be. Yeah, I feel like I didn't really have an option. Like for me, I didn't want to rely on a man for money. I didn't want to be, my parents had drilled it into me that they've had got brothers and sisters that lived in council flats and stuff. And I was like, we don't want you to be like that. Try hard at your exams. And I really did try, but I'm just not academic. I've got dyslexia. Like I barely scraped my GCSEs. So for me, that was the only way I could make money. So people are, of course going to have an opinion. It's not socially acceptable really it wasn't back when I started to be a stripper and OnlyFans wasn't a thing so I knew there was going to be stigma with that but it's either please me and make the best of my life or please everyone else and I just was quite selfish with that and I was like I've got to do what makes me happy. The school system is so archaic in like so many ways it, it, it's you know it, the whole school system is like don't copy collaborate um, you have to work hard in order to succeed. And actually there are so many individuals like you, like me as well, that we, that doesn't, we don't fit into that space. Mm. And so then back in, you know, when, definitely when I was younger, you were kind of outcast. I played sport luckily, which was like, which was like a winning formula because I, I was sporty, right? If I hadn't had sport, then I would have been completely cast as like a, an annoying kid who was disruptive and all those different things. But yeah. actually you're just not, you're just not fitting into this academic sort of regime that they have. And I feel like they try and put that on you. Like it's a you issue. Like, like, oh, maybe you're not just coming up to scratch with the, I don't know, the exam results because you're not trying. But as we both know, like I'm dyslexic. I tried my hardest. My brother would turn up to half the classes I did and still got A's and everything because he's just naturally more gifted and academic than me. I would go and see tutors and I just wasn't like getting the results that he was getting, but it wasn't for lack of trying. And I think that's how they make you feel at school. It's like, oh, it's you problem if you're not getting the good grades, you know? When you started stripping, did you, was it nerve wracking? Were you nervous to do it? Oh my God, yeah. Because I'm such an introvert, really. Like I'm quite shy. People can't wrap their heads around this. In some aspects, I'm quite outgoing, but in other aspects, I'm so, so shy. But for me, it was more about, what do I want my life to be? Do I want to have the freedom to have hours to go and travel or hang out with my friends? Do I want to have money that I can spend? Because I was working in a law firm and I must have got up and out of bed at six o'clock. I was on the train by seven. It was dark. I'd get back in my house at seven. And I would have, after I paid my mum rent, my car and my boob job that I insisted on having at 19. <laughs> What's I paid all of that? <laughs> I was living on like 300 pounds a month. I was like, this isn't a life. Yeah, so I just had to get over the nerves and think I can make good money. And the first night I worked, I made what I made in a month in a night. And I was like, I'm never going back. <laughs> Which was how much? I think just over a grand. In one night. 
Yeah. I, do you know what? Especially, at, I mean, there is literally no judgment here whatsoever. And I think so many times when people do podcasts and talk about this, they want to sort of cast judgment and talk about it and things like that. Look, I, I think we live in a sort of doggy dog world and it's really hard. And you have to make choices at certain times in order to do things. And we're so, as a as a sort of generation, we're so driven by financial success which is really unfortunate mm. like if you're not if you were told growing up looking at social media that if you're not driving these cars or living in this house or whatever that you're a failure yeah. and so you're told we have to make money we have to make money in order to survive which is i don't think it's a good thing sometimes no 100 percent. and i think especially coming from a working class background my parents just wanted me to do better than them or do better than their siblings so they had always drilled into me from a young age try hard at your exams um just try and make as much money as you can, get out of the area that we grew up in. And they'd done that with the kindness of their heart, but really it's so wrong because it's equating money to happiness, which I luckily learned by having that disposable income from stripping. At 23, I remember I had a flat in St. Catherine's Dog, had a Range Rover, I had a black card at Harrods, I had all these bags. I'm like, once I've gone and bought that bag, yeah, it's nice in the moment, but once I come back to my flat, I'm actually still got all the issues I had, the self-esteem issues, the loneliness, I'm just got nicer things around me. So I'm grateful for that, that I learned that at the age of 23, when some people like in their 50s still striving, thinking, oh, when I get to retirement, then I'll have like the free time and the money that I always wanted and my pension. Do you know what I mean? But I learned that so young. So I'm grateful for that. It's, it's interesting, right? There's a saying, which is never as a generation have we wanted so much, but needed so little. We're told that all these materialistic things are going to make us happy, or if we get a better job, or we have another partner, we get a bigger house, whatever it is. And actually, you kind of got to heal yourself first. Talk to me about the sort of insecurities you had. Because a lot of people would look at you and say, well, why would you be insecure? But I imagine you did have those insecurities. Yeah, of course. I think everybody does, especially like in your early teens, like everybody's insecure. So Growing up, I w I lived in an area that was like such a small little community. Everybody was a cardboard cutout of each other. No one like went against the grain. And I've always been like a little bit like sexual free. And I dated a lot of guys growing up. And I guess that probably was an insecurity. I just wanted to be liked. I wanted that validation from men maybe. So I would date a lot of guys. So I was slut shamed like from year nine. I don't know how old you are at year nine, maybe like 13, 14 from an older guy and he was like would you set would you send me a video and thank god I was like no 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 like I'm not going to send you anything he was like oh have you even masturbated before I was like yeah but I hadn't but I just wanted to please him he was old he was year 11 I was year nine so I was like yeah yeah I have my first day going into that upper school everybody was looking at me like oh yeah that's the girl that fingered herself I was like oh my god and oh then I wanted god. to change school and I couldn't even tell my mum why I wanted to change school I couldn't be like oh mum because I've said that I've like mastered I was like oh anyway so I just had like that slut shaming and all of that so I think that's where a lot of my insecurity came from I always felt like a bit of an outcast because that's awful that's I spoke to my a friend of mine Millie McIntosh who she got slut shamed when she was younger for sleeping with a guy and she said it was the worst thing in the world mm. it's horrendous and I think you know I, I went to an all boys boarding school and so you know there was this sort of weird masculine energy that was about like oh you gotta you know especially younger if you you know that we I was growing up on films like American Pie you gotta lose your virginity and you gotta sleep with people and it's actually just a really wrong attitude to have yeah. and then poor you having to experience that and then everyone finding out you feel ashamed 
Yeah. Because you're just trying to fit in. Which I think is so good now that people are speaking about it. Like I know I was like one of the first influencers to promote like a sex toy and stuff like that. But I just think for young girls who maybe are going through that same situation, at least they can be like, oh, it's actually quite normal. I don't see why it was ever a thing that boys are praised for losing their virginity. Like you said, in American Pie, like boys are champion for losing their virginity early or shagging so many girls. But if a girl says, oh, I've masturbated, they're like, oh my God, you're disgusting. Like it's mental, but I think that's slowly changing. Yeah, I think it is. I totally think it is. You know, OnlyFans is a big topic at the moment, right? Because lots of reasons. Firstly, it's highly, it seems like a highly lucrative platform. I've definitely flirted with the idea of doing it. <laughs> Would anyone subscribe? <laughs> I might. I think leave. you should. I think I'm probably, listen, sign me up, OnlyFans. <laughs> Um, my dear. Um, but do you think that potentially some people, men or women, who start doing it at a certain age, and then if they start putting those images out there, whatever it is, maybe it's just underwear, maybe it's a bit more um, explicit than that. Do you think that can be a hindrance to them in later life in terms of their self-esteem, maybe in terms of what, you know, uh, jobs happening or or people you know not respecting them as much do you think that's a fair comment or no yeah a hundred percent I think if you go into that industry you've got to be so strong and so resilient because it is it can be a slippery slope if you go into that so I went into stripping and I was like that's it all I'm going to do is strip then I was working with girls who done webcamming and then I was like no never going to do that that's basically porn I'm not doing that and then working there for like three or four months and you see how much money they earn you're like Oh, it's not that bad. So do you, I feel like uh, if you're going to get into OnlyFans, you have to be so strong on your boundaries and not let anyone tempt you for like any kind of money because it's a short-term gain for a long-term like, not, uh, not punishment, but do you know what I mean? Like you're going to be it's like... It's instant gratification, right? And and it's not... And that's going to stay with you for life. You can never get rid of that off the internet. You're never going to change as much as you preach to people and your friends and people who love you. If they're that way inclined that they think that's such a seedy, bad job to do, then you're never going to change people's minds. So unless you're so headstrong, I don't think you should get into it because you are going to face judgment. I've lost countless jobs because I've signed up to OnlyFans again and I knew it. Like when I went on Love Island, I had it before then, before it was like a big thing. Did you? And the producers were like, this is a family show. I think you should get rid of this account. And I was fuming because I was like, I'm going to get so many followers. I can make so much money. <laughs> but yeah, so it's always been frowned upon, I guess. But I think slowly it's changing. What is, so what, are you, what is your then experience with it? Because you feel quite headstrong with it and you're quite confident and open about it. Yeah, I feel like I was already cast as a character on Love Island. So I went in there, I was open about my past in like the sex work industry like stripping and stuff so I think people already had that in their head that I was from that they either judged me or they didn't so I thought I can't live my life like I said earlier I can't live my life for other people's opinions they've already judged me at this point and TV it was during like the pandemic TV work had kind of like fizzled out mm. I wasn't getting any other income and I thought now what am I gonna do so I just went back to what I knew and I knew there would be so much stigma around it but I just think it's such a powerful platform for women to, I don't know. It's a powerful platform for people to use because if you say something like the pandemic happens where everything shuts down, mm. everyone starts to fear about income. 
and their future and the anxieties start to creep in and that is that open window that you can just do it from your bedroom from your home wherever it is and it's an open window to start making you know revenue from a platform i i i see that the, the sort of way into it that happens but i feel like i have to tread on such like eggshells when i speak about but it but you because, shouldn't you should just be like you shouldn't but like, i don't want to like glorify it for girls like there is a lot of stigma you will get judged you will probably lose friends from it you'll be judged so harshly on doing it sadly because that's society we live in although for years and years big companies have sexualized women whether it's like the sexy woman in james bond film the sexy woman in a music video selling perfume they're all sexualizing women but when a woman takes that power to, for herself and charges money for that i'm posting the same as what a lot of people post free on instagram but because i'm charging a price for that and it's on OnlyFans, i get judged so much more harshly than the girl the jenners or whoever who posts a bikini picture for free for everyone to see I think people just get uncomfortable when women reclaim that power of our sexuality. It's like the whole thing of you've got to be like very virginal when you marry someone, but then also as soon as you're married, you've got to be like an absolute porn star in the bedroom. Like mm. men have to pick a lane. Do you know what I mean? Totally. <laughs> I totally get it. I think my relationship is on the opposite. <laughs> I think you become born again virgins when you go into marriage. I think that's what happens. But I think, you know... You talk about these slippery sort of, not slippery slopes, that's the wrong way to put it, but you talk about these things where you go from one to the next to the next. Mm. I imagine you must have had people come to you and sort of suggest that, you know, you want to go a bit more explicit and go down the actual porn route. And you might get pressure from people like that, I would suppose, that happens to quite a lot of women in this industry. Yeah, like on a daily basis, obviously I have my OnlyFans and the DMs that I get, people are offering like ridiculous money. So my limit that I go to is topless. That's it. So like what they posted on page three back in the day. That's it. But I get ridiculous offers every day. Like, come on, I can transfer you the money now if you take a fully nude picture. So I can imagine if you're young and you really need the money and you're, I don't know, trying to save a deposit for a house or you really want money, it must be tempting. So that's why I try not to glorify it too much because mm. it can be... It can be tempting when you're in there. So you've got to be so headstrong if you go into it. What is the most amount of money someone's offered you in a DM? <laughs> like a lot <laughs> I don't know a lot two three four five thousand <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to go there fine we'll just ignore it yeah I've never I've never been offered anything just yeah nothing really I, not I, a cheeky DM nothing I said this to my wife the other day I was like I never get any I, I said this on a podcast I said I get never I never get any nudes I never get any like requests like nothing at all until then recently this guy called Woody on Instagram, I don't know who he was, just sent me a picture of his penis. <laughs> Very fitting name yeah, for yeah. that. And I reply saying, thanks, Woody. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. But I imagine, but it's funny though, because you, you, you almost um, feel like nervous to talk about it. But, but, but because, and I, and I don't know why, because honestly, you know, We've met a couple of times, right? Mm. And we, we, you know, we're sitting here talking today. You're a very open and warm person. Mm. And from my casting judgment, you, you, you don't, you're, you're kind and sweet and, and not bad in any way. So you shouldn't feel no. almost embarrassed about talking about this. No, maybe not as embarrassment, but like reserved about talking about it. No, for me, I would live my whole life again and do every decision I've made again. But Great, I just I don't that. want young girls to look at me and be like, oh, well, it doesn't matter if I don't try hard in my exams because then I can go into stripping or be an OnlyFans girl. 
if I had the choice, I would have been more academic and been like a lawyer or something where I didn't have to face this judgment because it's definitely held me back, whether it's getting certain jobs I want or not being cast for certain jobs that I want. Like people still have as much as I try and strive. And like I said, I was one of the first creators to promote like a sex toy and always mm. openly speak about sex. It has definitely held me back in some aspects. Um but that's the only thing. I just don't want girls to think that, oh, it's like glorified and so glamorous because there is a dark side to it as well. It comes mm. at a cost of like your mental health, people judging you and things like that. But for me personally, I'll do it all again. <laughs> I um, love it. <laughs> how did Love Island come about? So how does that work? Because is it the same thing where people message you and you go for an, an audition, you have a chat to them? How does that work? Yeah, so they messaged me the year prior. I think it was like, Kem and Olivia Atwood's year and they asked me to go on then and um, but I am quite shy really I thought well what am I gonna say and then obviously doing like the whole stripping thing I thought oh the public are gonna hate me they're gonna be like <laughs> cast me as this man here so I was like mm, I'm earning good money as it is I don't need to do that and put myself up for like public scrutiny yeah. so I didn't and then the next year they asked me again and I was kind of over stripping at this point I was like mm, I want to change it up a bit so I was like Fuck it, why not? And for me, I have been such an introvert and I'm quite shy. So I thought even if I last two weeks on there, at least I've pushed myself out my comfort zone. I've been around all these like really outgoing people. So I did it, but I never expected to like get to the final. What was your experience like? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I loved it. Really? Because I think I've been so independent from a young age. Like I lived alone. I paid my own bills. I was worrying about money and I was helping like family members out and stuff. So when I was in there... It was just like being a kid again. Yeah. You get your washing done for you, you get cooked for you. don't have to think about anything. And you're there with hot people. I was like, what more can a girl want? How are you, how are you with authority though? <laughs> oh, that was <laughs> tough <laughs> because I'm so independent. And I think growing up, my dad was very strict. So mm. as soon as I got older and I like moved out, I was like, no rules from anyone. I'm my own boss. And getting in there, there's like, this is your bedtime. This is when you're going to eat. This is when you can shower. And I'm bad at timekeeping. So imagine, you know that you've never been on TV before. You've got 20 minutes to get ready in the humidity. My hair was like Monica from Friends. I was sweating. I was like, I'm going home. <laughs> oh my it was God. tough, but it was so fun. But it's, you know, I, I've obviously done reality TV. It's, it's heavy. It's heavy stuff, right? And the difference with Love Island is that you go into a villa, you go in, you know, not really being known that much and then you come out and you're famous mm. that's hard to deal with right yeah I, what, you went in with how many followers and came out with how many followers i went in with i think hundred thousand, and i came out with 1.9 million this is wild it was scary i remember walking through the airport and people were like screaming at the boys like they were justin bieber like people like paparazzi were like pushing over people i was like oh my god what have i done but it was it was mad. And I think it helps that I came out with someone. I think if I came out single, I'd be like, oh, wow, this is overwhelming. But I was in such, it sounds so cringe, but because I was in, in love and I was in that bubble, I was like, oh, at least we can go for it together. I didn't mm. feel alone at all. But for you, was it more gradual? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was different because I, I like, made, so my friend Francis who did the show with me, he always said, because I didn't do the first series, I started on the second series because I was just like too nervous to do it. And Francis said that he and this guy was on the show, a guy called Fred, they, the first episode came out and they were like, 
well, now we're famous. And they went, let's just go and walk around because people are going to recognize us. And they went outside and no one, (laughs) no one, like no one recognized him. And I remember when I started doing the show, I was like to my mom, look, mom, say goodbye to Jamie because when the show comes out, boy, it's going to be a new person. And then the show came out and like nothing. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, are you kidding me? And for me, it was like, I've always been like center of attention, wanting to have all of that around me. I was definitely looking for validation, I think, where Mm. I thought if I went and did a TV show and I became famous, then all of these insecurities that I had would disappear. And it just doesn't happen the way. It actually enhances them in lots of ways, which is uh, uh, unfortunate. But yeah, mine was a real slow birth. So first season comes out and you kind of recognize second season that it was just got more and more and more. And that's much easier. Because yeah. it's not suddenly there in front of you. And also with Love Island, which is hard, and we spoke about this before, is that Made in Chelsea was a series that you could keep going back to. Mm. And there's something really magical and amazing about being on, doing television, having a series to go back to, where you guys have this eight week or whatever it is thing, and then you're around to the big bad one. It's like, okay, here you go, now get on with life. Yeah, good luck. Good luck, here <laughs> you go. Good luck. That's tough, right, isn't it? Yeah. Like, like you know, how, how were the anxieties and things like that? How, did, how have you dealt with that? For me, I was so grateful and lucky that I had had the money from stripping before. So like I said, I think a lot of people who went on that had just had like a normal nine to five, a normal income. So when they have all these deals like waved in front of them, like, oh, you can do this or you can do like 90 PAs and stuff. They're like grabbing everything they can. But where I'd luckily learned that before, that money doesn't equate happiness, I was really strategic. I was like... You knew already. Yeah, what aligns with like what what's going to be the long-term goal? Do you know what I mean? I could have taken so many things, especially where there was so much hype around how I looked at 13 to how I looked coming off the show and all this surgery. Like, oh my God, she's had thousands of pounds worth of surgery. I was getting massive offers from like plastic surgery companies which would have been so easy if I hadn't had money beforehand to just take and be like yeah and not care about how it affected like my followers and stuff really so brand deals were coming in huge amounts of money and you were just saying no to them yeah I did have really good management like they really looked after me it was a friend he'd never done manage like he'd never managed any reality stars before but he was just a friend of mine and he was just like Meg this like think about the long-term goals you've got to think about like all these young girls looking up to you imagine you at 15 looking up to a girl who's been on Love Island like you don't want to promote things that you don't believe in so that was really really helpful yeah it's hard though you came out as well and and you know and feel free not speak as freely or not as freely as you want to on this here i go um (laughs) but you you came out and you were the press the media loved you and you were in the press so much and especially about your relationships that's hard yeah it was so so hard um i think they loved me so much because on the show such a villain so I think they either like the really like the power couple, the people who win it or the villain. And luckily, because I made it to the final, I missed all of the bad press, the bad headlines and things like that. So, yeah, it, it was tough. And I just think it was harder because I think where I was painted out as the villain, I thought everyone wanted to see me lose. So when that relationship did ultimately come crashing down and I got cheated on, I was like, oh, everyone's going to be so happy about this. So it was more, I know it sounds so cold, but it was less about the person. It was more about the embarrassment. Are you serious? <laughs> you, you were embarrassed about it? Really? You're like, I'm an idiot now I'm I embarrassed. Had, I was inundated with messages like, hmm, that's what you deserve. Thought you was a player in Love Island. Now look, I was like, oh God. 
<laughs> this is what everyone wanted to see and it's actually happened. I was oh, devastated. My God. <laughs> but it's hard though, right? You know, especially um date we spoke about this before, but dating is really tricky. It's freaking hard, man. Like to find someone that you really want to be with and stuff like that. And especially being in the public eye. And like you said, then when you're going on dates with people when they're just trying to take photos of you and stuff like that, it's like how do you find that one person that you really want to go with? Have you been in love? Yeah, I I do think I have been in love. I think probably before I entered like reality TV was like my more serious relationships because it's, I don't know about you, I guess it's different because Made in Chelsea, you don't stay there. Like you, you yeah, come you move, home yeah. after filming. But like, I, I really, even to this day, I don't know whether I was fully in love with like the relationship when I come out of Love Island or it was just like, the circumstance like you know when people have office romances mm. and really you wouldn't find that person attractive but because you're there with them every day you suddenly like think that they're more attractive so i don't know <laughs> i like the way that you use these analogies yeah it's right it's exactly like that you're thrown into a hot house right where you have to build a relationship so you're kind of forced into it like an office relationship so it's much more heightened yeah and there's no escape and it's like did i actually like that person or was it just like circumstance i don't know what are your thoughts on reality TV in general? Do you think it's a good thing? I, I love watching it. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. such a fan. I loved Made in Chelsea. I love Towie. I love Love Island. I'm watching this series. Are you? Yeah, it's, it's, I've started watching it now. I just saw this recoupling thing that went on. I need to watch that. I just saw this thing on TikTok. I was like, honestly crying for this poor guy. Like, he's, <laughs> I'm like, he's in love. What the hell's going on? He's not being picked. What but the hell? Do you know what I find funny? I used to look at it and be like, oh, get a grip. You've been in there two weeks. You don't even know this person. But when I'm in it, oh my God, the amount of times I had a lump in my throat, I was like swallowing down my tears. I was like, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. It's to... intense, isn't yeah, it's it? Very intense. It's really weird when that happens. When you suddenly, when in the moat, I remember, I remember when I was at school. It's why does he cry at the window sides? I'm at an all boys school, all right? And like, we were meant to be hard and stuff like that. And I started reading a perm and I got up there and I was really nervous. And they went, you're about to cry. And I went, no, not. And I then started crying. <laughs> Reading this poem. That's, cool. That's so cute. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Yeah, I know what you mean, though. It's, it's like a, an intense phase. But you've also done Slebs Go Dating, right? Mm. That's even more intense because you're just thrown into times where you have to go and just date loads of different people. Have you done that? I've, I've been offered it, but I never did it. I just, yeah, I just, I don't know. It's, it's tricky, right? It is hard. And as well, I didn't just do it and date straight people I then divulge the producers oh actually I like girls but I come from such a small little town there's not really a big gay community especially a lesbian community in South End will you handpick me some hot lesbians and then I was like why have I done this on camera I was so nervous I didn't even know how to chat to a girl did you not <laughs> no I think I, I dated and hooked up with a few girls but never like went on like proper dates or long-term relationships with girls so I just felt like I was on the back foot the whole time I was like why have I chose to do this on camera absolute <laughs> idiots <laughs> question about Love Island do you and it's a tricky question to, to ask because you're not the producers right but do you think uh, Love Island is a little outdated do you think it should be more diverse do you think there should be someone who's bisexual on it more bisexual people on it, also or, or, or a gay coupling yeah, definitely. And I've always said this every year it comes out and I get like interviewed. I'm like, they need their own gay series. Cause I think you can't just chuck like a token, like bisexual girl in there or a gay guy in there and hope for the best. Like, I think it needs a whole series, but they say it's like logistically it won't work. And I get there will be a lot of rows, a lot of drama, but I think it's so fun and so needed. And for me, 
on my OnlyFans, people think it's just a lot of like guys signing up to like perv on me. But I get so many questions from bisexual men being like, Meg, like obviously I've dated girls, but I want to venture into dating men. How do you think straight girls will take it and things like this? There's not that representation for bisexual men in the media, I don't think, or very like small percentage of that. So I think it's so, so needed. When did you realise that you were bisexual? So at college, I had like a best friend and she had a boyfriend and I just felt myself getting like weirdly jealous when she'd be like, oh, I'm going to go and hang out with him now or me and him are going to do something. I was like, oh, okay. And like, I didn't know whether it was just normal to like find your girlfriends attractive or not. Like Mm. I've always like appreciated women. And I think from a young age, like even... In films, I'd never really look so much at the man. I'd always be like the female actress, like, oh, she's beautiful. Mm. Like Maya Lacunas and Selma Hayek, obsessed with them. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Did you ever watch that? I was obsessed with Maya <laughs> Lacunas. Honestly, I honestly was so in love with her. It was frightening. She's unreal. And then when I found out she'd done the voice for Megan Family Girl, I was like, and she's funny too. I'm obsessed with her. <laughs> um, so yeah, I kind of like had weird feelings about my friend at college, but never like acted on it. I just thought that was normal. And then I went and had a photo shoot, like a glamour photo shoot in the south of France and a, um, a photographer, um, a woman, she was shooting me and I thought she was hot. And then she was like, oh, why don't we get one of the other photographers to shoot us later? So we was doing this like sexy lingerie shoot together. And then like, it kind of got a bit like heated And then anyway, we went back to London and she was like, oh, I've got a boyfriend, but it's an open relationship. So then I started seeing them as a couple, but then I had to like break it off because I was getting like deeper feelings for her. I thought it's not fair on him. So I think that was the first time. Are you scared to sometimes give your feelings over? feel like you, you, you're sort of hesitant sometimes with it. I think so. I think because I've been hurt in the past and yeah, I guess I don't like being vulnerable. I think in all my like career and at school I was like slut shamed like we touched on I was like bullied so for me to be vulnerable in front of someone it's hard to like be my authentic self because it's just like fear of like abandonment yeah or rejection or like you could get hurt again so I do put a massive wall up but I don't know I think if the right person come along I would be more open are your parents still together yeah yeah, see, I, I definitely have the fear of, of abandonment and rejection because of divorce and things like that, where I'm always so scared people are going to go. And it makes you into like a real people pleaser as well, mm. that you want to please everyone and, and be okay and you're so scared. But actually, I think I've learned that being vulnerable is like one of the like greatest releases in life. I think it's stronger to be vulnerable 100%. than it is to just put this wall up and be a fake facade. It's harder, right? Because it's a constant thing all the time. Yeah. It's exhausting. I think you should be more vulnerable. Sorry, that was like... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, therapy. What the hell's going on? <laughs> so are you single at the moment then? Yeah. And you're happy and you're single and all those kind of things? I'm happy. I'd be happy if I had someone. Because I feel like a lot of people say... You can't love someone until you love yourself. But I feel like I've done such good groundwork. I've been to therapy. I've like got my own financial independence. I've got everything I want. Like the only thing I want is like to find someone like to travel the world with like and go for nice dinners with and things like that. But I hate forcing things. And I'm so fussy. Like we said earlier, when I was younger, a six pack and like a nice smile or a nice bum would be enough but now I'm like no you have to be funny you have to be driven oh my so what if you had a checklist what would the checklist be Uh, funny 
Nice bum. Is that one of them? <laughs> yeah, for females, nice bum. Definitely. Okay. Speaking of guys, like nice bum. <laughs> but it do, but I think you should be picky. You deserve to be picky. Mm. I, d- I don't think being picky is a bad thing. I actually think in life sometimes people um, settle a lot and actually you shouldn't settle. But yeah. I feel like I am trying to take your advice, even though <laughs> I was thinking this before I came on here. What you said about being vulnerable. I think for years I've put up this like facade of like, I'm so cold, I don't care, I'm like, I'm happy by myself, but really I'm not. Like, I would love to meet someone, and I think that's taken me a long time to open up and say that because the character I was in Love Island, I felt like people thought, oh, we deserve to be single because you're such a player. But really, I would love to meet someone, and it's not like I feel like I need someone, I just think I could do more, do you know what I mean? All my friends are having babies, and they're like with someone or they've got nine to fives. I just want to travel. I've worked now. I just want to go see the world. It's funny, right? As we get older, I have the same thing where actually we just want the simpler things. Literally, I'm yeah. like an old man already. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> 29. I, honestly, I go, it's true though. You do, you the, the simpler thing. It's like our parents were always right. It's so funny. It's just like, actually what we need in life is we need connection. We want to have connection with family and friends or whatever it is. And and to be in a relationship and, and just have that love and be able to travel with someone that's the most badass thing in the world definitely I think for such a long time since I was 19 so I started stripping at 19 I'm now 29 that's 10 years of grafting making money and thinking money was happiness and now I'm to a point where I'm like of course it helps you it's like nice to have nice things but so much more deeper things than that I'd love to like just yeah, I know. Can I ask you just one question? And I, and I hate to bang on, but just with OnlyFans and things like that, especially with your parents, when you told your parents about it, what was their reaction? Oh, wow. So my, my parents were so strict growing up, like so strict. Like I wasn't even allowed to go for like sleepovers at girls' houses. Um, my parents would just wrap me up in cotton wool, like so, so strict. And when I told them, I was going to be a strip. I told my mum first, I'm going to a strip club. She cried. They both <laughs> cried. And I had to lie to my dad and say I was just a waitress at the strip bar. But I think he knew. And then once I tried to do both jobs at once. So I was like getting on that train again at like 7am, finishing the strip club at 3am. I'd have like a few hours sleep, get back on and try and, try and do both. And just go to, to the ple- law firm. Yeah, and just please my dad. But I couldn't do both. So I was like, dad, I'm really sorry, but I'm earning this much money and it makes me happier. And he wasn't happy. He wasn't happy. Do you think the fact that they were that strict maybe kind of led you to be a bit more rebellious? Do you know what I think? I think because my parents have a very old-fashioned relationship. Like my my mum, my dad was the dad. Like he was like set the rules and it's his way or no way kind of thing. And my mum was like the perfect mum, the perfect wife. And as much as I respect that and for them to still be together, it's nearly like 40 years they've been together. Like I take my heart to them like it's incredible. But I just think I never wanted to be like subservient to a man. I wanted to have my own money. I wanted to like do my own thing. So I think that's what drove me. It's a great message. You've got to have your independence. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, whatever, whatever way you are, you just, you've got to have your independence. I totally agree with you. It's so important. You've done so much. You've grafted from the age of 90, you've done so many different things. If someone said to you, to your dream thing that you could do, the thing that you would want to do more than anything, what would that be? Like a career thing. Like a career, th- a career moment for you. 
is that winning an award? Is it presenting? Is it hosting? Is it having a chat show? Is it doing some big TV show? What is it for you? Do you know what I'd love? So I had my column in Vice magazine and that was like an agony aunt kind of thing. I'd love my own show like that. Like people coming in and asking like embarrassing questions and maybe they could be like anonymous and I'll just help them with things that people don't speak about. Because I remember growing up, you can ask your your parents like sex questions or stuff and you, the only way you would learn is like by going to porn. It's just such a bad representation. So I'd love to be that like no holds barred like unfiltered agony aunt be like ask me anything <laughs> i love that you said that when you were doing the vice thing and i hope this is okay you're doing the vice thing that you were on rare at the time you spoke what was it what happened <laughs> they asked me about my dating life or i was speaking about online dating and i said oh, i'm on raya i said i keep seeing channing tatum but he's not swiping me back next thing i know i go to sign it to raya been blocked for exposing him <laughs> but it was already public knowledge and i have begged to get that back <laughs> Really? I've literally <laughs> followed Raya on Instagram. Be like, I've somehow lost my account. Any chance I could get uh -huh. it back? Ed. <laughs> well, they're going to watch this and you're going to get it back. Let's <laughs> hope so. Or I'll be on plenty of fish. <laughs> I just want to ask one more question as well, which is basically you, the, the whole point of the series that we're doing is we're talking about love in all of its forms, as I said. What does love mean to you? I would say love to me is knowing that the person that you love would do anything to protect your happiness. Um, you could be your authentic self in front of them with no judgment. I think that's the main thing. Someone that would do, go to any lengths to protect you. And yeah. It's a great answer. <laughs> I said it's like a sunset. I think it was honestly the lamest one. <laughs> no, that's so cute. <laughs> I, honestly, I've had the greatest time chatting and I really appreciate it. But before you go, I have to say that the rumors are that you may be entering the Love Island Villa. I saw that Katie, is, is that, is any truth in that or is it, is it just a complete nonsense? Lord knows that my dating life needs me to get back in that <laughs> villa, but unfortunately not. No, I just posted like a video of me like walking along in Spain with all the flowers. I was like, oh my God, it looked like a People Love freaked Island. Out. Yeah, freaked it's like out. a Love Island entrance. So I'm like, no, I'm just manifesting that. I need some kind of help, clearly. <laughs> no, you don't. You're a rock star. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on. Listen, everyone go and check out all your social channels, everything you're doing. You're incredible. And I really appreciate it. And sorry, the stalking from me can now stop. I won't now continue to ask you to come on. So thank you so much. Goodbye. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed uh, the episode with Megan Barton Hansen. To find out more about the amazing work that the Albert Kennedy Trust do, head to their website, akt.org.uk. The link is in the description. And if you fancy a sweet treat, Check out the new Candy Kittens Loves Astronaut Sweet Range, available online now at candykittens.com in the description and in stores such as Sainsbury's Waitrose, Asda and Co-op. 